Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, it is KOVE, 1330 AM, 107.7 FM. It is our pleasure to go to the phone and welcome retired NASA astronaut John Harrington. Uh, John joins us from Montana. Thanks so much for joining us, John. Uh, how's, how's your new year so far? It's been, it's been one of those uh, having a respiratory virus is no fun. So it's been kind of an interesting holiday, but uh, I'm over the hump. But I really appreciate you, Jared. Thanks, man. Absolutely. I'm glad you're feeling a little bit better, hopefully, on the mend, but uh, it is the season for that. So, John, I know uh, you, you bounced around the country a lot, but uh, you spent a little bit of time in Riverton growing up. What part of your life was that, and, and do you remember much about Wyoming? Oh, I remember a lot about Wyoming. Um, no, I moved to Riverton, I think, about 1969. My dad had a job at a place called Daytel, which is up by Central Wyoming College. And I lived over on Pershing Avenue, uh, right across from Lincoln Elementary. But I went to Ash Grove, and I went to the uh, junior high. So that was a while back, for sure. Yeah, definitely. As uh, we continue with your life trajectory, you went to college in Colorado Springs and then joined the Naval Academy. Uh, what uh, what was your role in the Navy exactly? Well, actually, I, I joined um, with the University of Colorado way back in the 70s. Uh, I got kicked out. My first year, because I didn't study very hard, I was a, a rock climber. Spent all my time rock climbing and uh, time studying and ended up getting a job in the mountains as a rock climber on a survey crew. But that led me back into the university. Uh, guys encouraged me to go back to school, become an engineer. I joined the Navy in 1983, but I didn't go to the Naval Academy. I went through what was called Officer Candidate School. Um, if you ever saw the movie Officer and the Gentleman, you know, way back in the day, uh, it's about a 14-week program to go from being a college graduate to being a naval officer and under the tutelage of a Marine drill instructor. So it was a great experience. At what point in your life did you realize uh, you, you wanted to go to space, you wanted to become an astronaut? Was that early on or did that come about later uh, with your time in the military? Well, I, you know, I dreamed about it as a kid. I think back in the 60s, all of us, you know, uh, it was on TV. People were going to the moon, and, and I dreamed about it. I played astronaut, but I never thought it was something I could accomplish until much later in my life. Certainly in my military career as a naval aviator and test pilot, I realized the people I used to watch on TV back in the 60s and 70s, they were doing the exact same job I was doing. We had the same test pilot school, same type of flight test. And uh, I figured, well, if, if they could do it, why not me? And if you don't apply, you know, you won't, right? Exactly. And uh, you had a, a great resume and great credentials, but I imagine that is a, uh, a select few that get the invitation to NASA. Well, it was pretty funny. You, you go down for the interviews. Of, it's a one week interview. You spend one hour with a group of about 15 people and they ask you, tell us everything you've done since you're in high school. That was essentially the interview question. And it's, it turns into this conversation. And by the end of the conversation, they said, you know, why should we hire you? You know, how are you different than anybody else that's walked through this door? You know, I was a fixed wing engineering test pilot. I had a master's in aeronautical engineering. I did well in my squadrons. But to me, everybody else 
that I've met in the interview were just had that same type of credential. But, you know, I, I grew up working with my hands. I grew up uh, building stuff. My dad was a, uh, a PhD in experience, uh, a mechanical. Uh, he was a manufacturing engineer. My grandpa was a diesel mechanic. I told him, I think the space station is the ultimate construction program. I would love to turn a wrench in space. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, I, I, I get selected a, a few months later and I end up at NASA in uh, August of 1996. So in, uh, in 2002, I believe, you get to go to space. You get to go to the space station. Uh, I mean, I know this is a broad question, but what was, was that mission like for you? Well, it was great. We were the last mission to actually take a crew to the space station as well as do a major assembly. So essentially, a crew of seven was a crew of four. There were four of us on the crew. Took three people to space, brought three people home. But myself and another gentleman, Mike Lopez Alegria, did three spacewalks. And we helped assemble a large truss on the outside of the space station, kind of the backbone of the space station. Um, and we did about 20 hours outside the, uh, the spacecraft doing that. And uh, I'm sure you get this nonstop, but what was that like? What uh, what did a spacewalk feel like? That's <laughs> every kid's dream, man. It's this, uh, your your own little spaceship. You uh, you can float. You're um, you see the world from perspective you've never seen it before, and you get to work with some amazing people and do something. I think hope you know broadens the knowledge for humanity that you know we can if we do go back to the moon and Mars. Hopefully, what we learned on the space station is going to allow us to do that. Retired NASA astronaut John Harrington, our guest. Uh, John, you're, of course, an enrolled member of the Chickasaw Nation, and you earned the designation of the first enrolled member of a Native American tribe to fly in uh, space. Uh, I imagine yes, that that meant a lot to you, and you were able to uh, to represent the Chickasaw Nation in space as well. Oh, very much so. I'm you're very proud of my heritage. Um, my mom's side of the family, I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation. Uh, Governor Anatubby is a strong supporter of, uh, of education, science, and, and I've been very fortunate to work with the tribe for many years. Um, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, I didn't have a role model like that growing up, and I'm hoping that uh, I found myself in a position that I didn't expect to be in, but I found that, you know, people, uh, you know, look up to you and you realize that, wow, if I can make a difference in somebody else's life, then, then that's what I'm on the search for. You know, so hopefully somebody will look at me and say, hey, if he can do it, why can't I? And I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have been put into that position. That's fantastic. And it, it seems like, too, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, through your speaking engagements and uh, some of your other work here after retirement, you've continued to uh, to push for, uh, for Native Americans and uh, you serve basically as a role model for many young uh, Natives across the country to, uh, to look up to and maybe to aspire to be like you. Yeah, well, back in 2008, I rode a bicycle from Cape Flattery, Washington, to Cape Canaveral, Florida, and I pedaled through Riverton. I went out to the Wind River Res, uh, met with students out there. Uh, I pedaled up over Beaver Rim, went down through the Sweetwater Gap, you know, pedaled onto Rollins. You know, so I, you know, I, I have a very incredible fondness for Riverton and, you know, the beauty of the area, the people. And I, I've, you know, I look back at the friends I had, and, and uh, I was very fortunate to spend some time in Riverton in my life. Tell me uh, a little bit more about that cross-country ro- uh, cycling trip. Uh, why, why did you decide to do that? Well, I, I had left. I'd retired from NASA in 2005. I had uh, been training for a space station mission. I was going to command two Russians. Um, I was in Russia, and I got disqualified due to a medical issue. And so I found myself uh, you know, looking for something else to do. 
I went to work for a commercial space company for a couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, owned by a millionaire, not a billionaire. That made a big difference. <laughs> so I ended up decided to get on a bicycle and hopefully uh, tell my story to, to students across the country at Indian reservations and NASA schools. And I did. I, I had a, um, uh, a website. Uh, kids would follow me. I'd do a, a math or science problem every day. I'd, I'd blog the entire bike ride, met and stopped at schools along the way and, and told my story. And it was fun. I was, uh, it was a personal experience for me because I always wanted to ride a bike across the country. And, uh, and it was a life-changing experience. And I'm very fortunate that I did it. What was more challenging training for space or for a, a cycling trip across the country? About getting hit by a car and rolling to the Sinclair refinery, I can oh. tell you that. That was <laughs> oh no, that, that's an interesting experience. But uh, no, luckily, a lady stopped and didn't didn't nail me. Um, no, it's great. It's uh, I, I've been fortunate to fly in space. I've been fortunate to live uh, under the ocean uh, in the in the Keys. Uh, it was what's what's called as an aquanaut, and also riding a bike across the country. So I've seen the world from three different really beautiful perspectives. And they're each unique in their own very special way. But it's the people, I think, that make the big difference. It's the people I met along the way, both as a naval aviator, as an astronaut, and the folks I met on my bike ride. You know, know. We're a special place we have here. Uh, definitely. I know I'm uh, jumping around in your timeline a little bit, but you mentioned the, the underwater experience in the Aquarius Underwater Laboratory. <laughs> what was that? What was that like? It's it's, uh, it's space. It's a space flight analog, and what that means is, yeah, you know, I had flown in space already, so I was a commander. I took uh, three people that were one was an engineer, and two other astronauts that had not flown yet. The idea was to put them in an environment that it's a difficult environment, and you do you essentially do spacewalks. You go out and you do scuba dives. You map coral. You do a variety of you build structures, and the idea is to uh, get them to experience what it's like to be in a difficult environment. For a, for a period of time and see how you work well together. Uh, that was the, the point behind it. And they still do it. It's called NEMO. It's uh, NASA Extreme Environment Mission Operations. It's not the fish. It's not the clownfish. It's uh, a little <laughs> bit different. But it was a great experience. Um, you know, when you see in space, you see things from a very macro view, from a very, you know, very high point. But in underwater, you see it from the very micro view. I mean, you see like krill, little teeny krill shrimp. You, you go outside of the habitat, there's a big grouper the size of a Volkswagen next to you. There's, there's barracuda in the structures. It's just, it's an amazing experience. And I've, I'm very fortunate I had a chance to do that as an astronaut. Uh, if, if that wasn't enough on your resume, you're also an author. You uh, came out with a children's book a few years ago titled Mission to Space. Uh, I know you're, you're very proud of that and encourage everybody to check that out, especially if you've got kids. But uh, do you foresee uh, releasing more books? Is that something you want to do more of? As a matter of fact, I'm sitting in front of my computer uh, starting the first chapter of my memoir. So uh, my tribe has a publishing arm called the Chickasaw Press. And so I work with my tribe. They published my Mission to Space book for kids. I actually have a vocabulary, Chikasha Shanumpli, the Chickasaw language. There's a vocabulary in the back that takes the, the English words and gives it this, this Chickasaw um, a word with it. And, uh, and I'm working on my memoir right now. Hopefully I'll have it uh, done sometime this year and published next year. That's great. We'll look forward to that as well. Uh, a couple more, then I'll let you go. I know uh, I'm sure you're, sure you're busy here as we start the new year, but uh, th this again is a broad question, but uh, in your estimation in the next 10 or 20 years or so, what can we expect from space travel and space research and, and how important is it here over the next couple of decades? 
Well, I left the office back in 2005, probably one of the first two off uh, astronauts to actually go into the commercial space world. Now, I worked for a company that won the same agreement SpaceX did. As I mentioned before, we were owned by a millionaire, not a billionaire. And, you know, you know no bucks, no buck Rogers, as they say. Uh, I was very fortunate that um, kind of on the very beginning of it, before it became a, before the money was there, now that's where it is. You know, the money's in commercial space. I have friends that are astronauts that I was in the office with that now work for like Axiom uh, Space. You know, they're flying people to space station. My colleague, Mike L.A., is, uh, I think he flew three billionaires to space last year. He's doing it again this year. Um, I look at space travel right now, commercial space travel, as uh, aviation in the 20s and 30s. You know, the people that are doing it had a lot of money. Um, it was in its infancy. Stuff happens. Uh, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's a dangerous business. But I think in the next 10 to 20, 30 years, maybe, uh, the price will come down, the safety will go up, and more folks will get a chance to do it. And uh, I think it's important. It's a beautiful perspective to see and appreciate how fortunate we are to live on this beautiful planet. When you uh, go to a dinner party, do you just have the ultimate bragging rights with your resume? Does that drive everybody else nuts? No, we call it, you don't drop the A word, as they say. You don't walk up and say, hey, guess what? I'm gonna, I think there are people that, uh, you know, there's, I think there's folks that'll pay, you know, multi-millions of dollars to fly in space and to come up and say, I'm an astronaut. Well, there's a different perspective. I think there's a professionalism to it that those of us who are military or in the academic world, you know, trained to become professional astronauts and, and worked, you know, and got paid to do work that hopefully, you know, improves the quality of life on Earth. That's the way I look at it. It's not about bragging rights. It's about the fact that, you know, if you can do something in your life that makes a difference for others in the long run, I think that's what we're all on this Earth for. Um, and, and I've been fortunate in my career that people encouraged me to do something that led me down a path that I had a little teeny part it made me make this world a better place. And that's that's what I'll have for the rest of my life. I love that. All right. So an accomplished uh, resume, an accomplished career. We'll look forward to the memoir. Anything else coming out that uh, that we can be aware of? What's the next chapter of John Harrington? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I just uh, recently was, uh, I married a beautiful woman I met at the uh, Museum of the American Indian last year in Washington, D.C. We live here in Montana. Uh, I've had a a remarkable life. I've had some ups and downs. I had a, a wife that passed away from cancer a few years ago. Uh, you know, life goes on. You find people that uh, that make you a better person. I found one, and, and I'm living a, a wonderful life here in Montana. That's great. I'm glad to hear it, John. Uh, really appreciate you taking a few moments today, and I uh, hope everybody can check out the memoir in uh, a few uh, few more months here. But uh, Mission to Space is out now. Great opportunity to pick that up, especially if you've got kids. And, uh, John, I hope we can stay in touch, and I really appreciate you taking some time again today. Hey, Jared. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.